none of our intros have been funny to anybody for a very long time. Because That's no, not true. I find almost all of them funny. Do, but do you laugh at them? I do. Mm-hmm. Just, it doesn't matter, you know, when you're like, kapla or <laughs> greetings. As you know. I just vomit. Just vomit into the microphone. <laughs> as you... <laughs> and I'm Paul. Oh. And as you know... <laughs> there we go. All right. Where is our continuing mission <laughs> to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek? And... Uh, not just original Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, that's really what this was. Not just some uh, dusted off script from 1960 something. <laughs> I mean, and not just quality or crappy TV was the original introduction. Uh, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And the way that we determine whether or not these episodes are proper or not proper, we use three or four criteria. Number one, is there science fiction inherent or explored in the plot? Number two, is the science fiction novel or unique in some way. Number three, is there a moral dilemma broached by by the episode? And uh, not only do we do we analyze to determine whether or not these episodes are are proper or just regular good TV, blah blah blah. Uh, we, we try to give it a you know a little bit of a little push, you know, a little maybe improve it a little bit. How can we make this better? We don't just like to to crap all over the episode. You know, we we like to come to the table with a solution. I'm not quite understanding it. Can you can you tell us a little bit more? I, I don't feel like you've explained it in enough detail. To... <laughs> and I'm Paul. And this week we watched episode six. Oh, no, this is our episode sixty-two. TNG <laughs> season one, episode twelve. Data lore. Mm-hmm. Data. Lore. The Enterprise visits the planet where Data was created and discovers another android just like him. But this is before before. But the two brothers <laughs> have crucial differences. Yeah, it puts brothers in quotes, I guess. Well, I guess the question would be like what what's your definition of brother? I mean, cuz they're they're created by the same dad, but they have no mother. And I'm sure he had sex with both of them. I mean, why else would you make an android? Yeah, well, yeah, and he has shown at least once that he is fully functional. That's true. That's there true. was one crewman who uh did have data entry. <laughs> Nice. But she's dead now. Oh, no, she's not dead yet. She's not dead, at least at this point. She's not dead yet. Yeah. Right, right. At this, at this point in the timeline. But she comes back to around. life, too. So, and then she dies again. <laughs> they just keep breaking her back and killing her, bringing her back, killing her. You know, she's got, she actually, despite leaving the show in the first season, she probably has the most interesting stories for all the times that she was brought back. Brought back. Yeah, I, I didn't like her character, though. I much prefer no, Worf, would, you know, like I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I felt like she was too, and the, I think maybe the same reason I didn't like Kira is I felt like the militants that, that both Kira and Tasha are were played. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't know. I don't have any reason for that. Um, but I just, I, I felt like it was always kind of one dimensional. It's like all I well, do, yeah, all I am is angry. All I want to do is beat people up. All I am is confrontational. It's just that kind of thing. It's like, ah, eh, it gets old. Yeah. Like well, yeah, that's what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just one note. And I think I think that's where Kira performs better than Tasha is just because she had more time to develop her character and have those moments of like um forgiveness and recovery and, you know, self-reflection and self-growth and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. that Tasha just right. didn't get because she left the show so early cuz she wasn't doing anything and she felt very one note. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Um I I I much prefer how it turned out. 
I don't know yes. how I can prefer something not knowing how it would have been, but I do. Um, I do also want to say that like I, I'm a little sad that we missed last week. Uh, we did take a break from Mother's Day, um, but we we should have done this episode because it just it was such a good just an affectional note to mothers everywhere on how they treat their children, um, <laughs> which we saw with Wesley and his mother. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which seemed, we'll get to. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, <laughs> let's get through the episode. Okay. So <laughs> the show starts out with the child driving the flagship starship of the, of the, of the Federation. Wesley's driving the enterprise uh, on their way to go see data's home planet. And this is very interesting. Uh, to me, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." I did. I did not remember this episode until I started watching it. Um, as in, that, there was a lot of "Oh yeah," as you were going. Yeah, that's or, it. I know that like, sentence now in retrospect didn't make any sense. <laughs> um, uh, well, but I mean, what I mean, like, is when you when the episode started, were you like, "I know it's a lore episode," but you know, it, within the first ten minutes, you're like, "Okay, I remember this episode," and then the rest of it you remembered, or like, through the episode, yeah. were you going, "Oh yeah, there's this is the episode with this scene." Oh yeah, this scene happens in this episode. Yeah, I only only remember little little bits and snippets of it, and I don't remember. First of all, uh, I don't know why Wesley's driving the ship. I know that he's like some sort of acting ensign, but right, he should never be driving the ship. Aren't there other people on the ship? I guess maybe he's in training. Maybe like. He needs hours. I don't know. It just seemed weird that Wesley was driving the ship. He's like 12 years old. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I took it. It was just that he was – it was an exploration mission. It wasn't a diplomatic one and it wasn't a, a battle of any kind. So it was a perfect time to just put him behind the wheel and see how he did. And he immediately screws it up, I guess. <laughs> we'll get to that. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, and then we cut to Data and and he's practicing sneezing. And yeah, I don't know. I hate this crap, man. I'm so glad I that they got this. It. I'm glad, so glad they got another system in the first season because it's so it feels so 1960s robot. Like this whole episode, right. actually, as you said before, feels very next or uh, original series. Down and to- you know, actually speaking to that, I just throwing in a quick revision right here. Like it would have been it. I would have accepted it more if he had been watching clips of people sneezing. And then he went to the mirror and was practicing it. Or how about like, even better? He's like he's he's flooding certain compartments of the ship with just talcum powder or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> just to see people sneezing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's temporarily poisoning the crew just so he can get some data for data. Right. Right. So oh, yeah, I man, just, how did how come they never had an episode data for data? That would have been so good. They have fists full of datas. I know, which they also should have done a sequel to that one with a few datas more, but. <laughs> That would have been really good, actually. Although I don't remember if I liked a fistful of datas. I think a lot of these you, were just sort of like Brent. You Spiner. did not. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of those were just Brent Spiner flexes. I think that he got so tired of playing one kind of. Ki- I mean, I don't want to say that he was one note. He wasn't, but he no, probably got tired of it. Right. He probably got tired of it, right? He wanted to do other. Oh, stuff. for sure. Yeah, I mean, like he he had some of the best lines and he had some of the best scenes. And it's kind of surprising, having said that, also that Lore was killed off in the big in the grand scheme of things like fairly early on this whole episode just feels again half-baked to me it just felt like it starts and then it ends and there's nothing nothing really happens but i don't know we're not there yet we're not there yet (laughs) it's gonna be our running theme in this episode i know we want to get to the end as fast as possible um so there's this weird awkward moment where the enterprise is arriving at data's home planet and they score it and they they frame it in this way where 
Brent Spiner is, or Data is looking at the planet as though in awe or in some mm-hmm. sort of – he's having some sort of emotional moment, which right. is not who Data is. Right. Even later in this episode, he's – somebody asks him, isn't this a big moment for you? He's like, no, this is just a thing. I'm just doing a thing, right? And I felt like, again, I'm glad that they got this out of their system because it was so undata to me where you know, they're doing they're, – they're doing the practicing sneezing. They're doing a lot of deconstructing of sayings, you know, like, what do you mean get caught up? Tell me more. It's like, just, oh, God, do we have to go through this? Where, again, we've talked about this before, where a character is asking about a saying that the entire audience knows what it is. We have to listen to somebody explain something to somebody that we already know what Uh the answer is. They're just waiting for this scene to be over. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they have this awkward moment, and then they beam down to the planet, and it just felt like 100% TOS, where it's just that vague colored background where it's like yep. purple and green, and <laughs> little plants, like crappy plants, planted everywhere, and they like look at it, uh-huh. and it's like, huh, oh, this looks exactly like something we'd find on Earth. It's like, no, it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't. <laughs> We're on a different planet, are we? I forgot. And and so this and, looks like a studio backlot. <laughs> These plants are plastic. <laughs> There's a cameraman right there. <laughs> What's going on here? Um, yeah. So, and they kind of look around and they do the thing where it's like they are always sort of disoriented. Let's take some scans. Oh, there's something happened right over here. Well, the, why then the hell do we beam over there on the on the planet? I you know I, I don't know when they first started, but we're halfway through the first season at this point. And Riker walks over to talk to somebody, and he throws his leg up and rests his. You know, he pulls the Captain Morgan. Um, <laughs> So anyway, they they get down there and like I said, it feels entirely like TOS and they find the lab and they they go briefly in this little kind of conversation about how data was found. And mm-hmm. again, I was like, "Oh, that's cool. A little bit of mm-hmm. insight as to data's origins." And at this point, I'm kind of feeling like something's missing. There's something wrong with this. Like, yes, I am intrigued by potentially what where data came from but right. it's just it's just kind of not rolling it's it doesn't have that that pacing and that sense of urgency and i was thinking to myself what's missing because everybody's kind of on point they're not they're not overacting or anything i mean they do when they get into the into the lab they kind of play it up in this big original series way where there's big music and everybody's kind of looking at it. it's like ooh ah mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. ooh, it's, a, it's a lab and the set dressing was was definitely once they got inside i felt like the the set design was a little bit more advanced. Like I, I felt like inside on the labs, it, it still felt original series, but it felt original series with modern. Yeah, plus one. It was original yeah. series plus one. I think it was good. Yeah, there we go. And that yeah. whole that whole scene where they find lore or the body of lore, and it's it starts out as this glass enclosed, smoke filled room that we're like, oh, what's mm-hmm. going on here? Who's going to be in here? But when they open it up and then the the gas like flows out and I thought that was, wow, that was really cool. They actually spent some time setting this up. It, it it revealed the body really well. Right. And, and then only to be kind of undermined by the worst dummy head ever that I felt sorry (laughs) for Brent Spiner that he had to sort of act in front of this thing. That's supposed to look like him. Like I would be, if I was Brent Spiner, be like, this is what you think I look like. Do I look (laughs) like this? I quit. Yeah. That's it, I'm done. Um, again, the technology must have improved up to the the fourth season because um, they had a dummy head that he had to act with as well on Times Arrow, um, and which was better. 
That was way yeah. better. I mean, that they yeah. spent probably way more money on that than they ever did in the first season. But right, um, so we can't blame them too much. It just was terrible. It was sort of noticeably terrible. And maybe it looks better on a tiny twelve-inch screen in regular D, but <laughs> right yeah. in RD. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to ask, like, you were you were saying that there was something missing. Like, did you did you figure out what that something missing was, or? Could you not put your finger on it? There was just something missing in that scene. Yeah. So to kind of just gloss over the episode here, because actually this is a very plot light or light plot light, you know, plot light. It was very light on plot <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> and just nothing. So, for example, what I would have preferred was, again, a two-parter. Let's pretend it's a two-parter. And okay. we meet Lore. Lore gets turned on at the end of the first episode. And the first uh, the first episode is, is comprised entirely of some sort of motivation as like something more pressing that was motivating them to find Data's home planet. Uh, give the crew a reason to be investigating this instead of just we had nothing better to do. So we decided to let Wesley drive us somewhere. And this is where we ended up. <laughs> he just happened to yeah, get lost yeah. near Data's planet. <laughs> exactly. This is sort of like taking your 15-year-old before he gets his permit to drive in the parking mm-hmm. lot. This is the same right. thing. They just didn't have any stakes. So I just felt like there, that was what was missing for me. There was no intrigue. Yes, there was right. intrigue as, oh, Data has a brother. Isn't that interesting? But at this point in the show, if you think about it, I don't know. We're still kind of getting to know Data. Data hasn't really done anything interesting yet. He's just sort of a robot. Right. And, and so they kind of, I felt like they jumped the gun. I actually remember Data or Lore showing up way farther into the show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no i agree not the 12th episode ever right that's crazy right. so yeah. uh but yeah that's what i would have wanted and then they finally turn lore on maybe they they him and hob are like look he's off for a reason he was dismantled well for a hang reason. on so i want to i want to back up a little bit back to the lab um one of the things that I, that i noticed and this is the first time i've seen it so i don't know if it's something that they fixed or if this is just the first time that i've ever noticed it but uh when Riker gets a call from Yar, like, in a different area, you know, and she says, like, this is what I found. And he taps his chest and then starts talking to the ceiling. And <laughs> I, you know, and, like, obviously, as as an audience member, we're getting it just as kind of an ambient, like, it's all around. So, you know, you wouldn't think twice about it. But there if he's getting his communication through his comm badge on his chest you would think that either he would be talking straight forward or he would be kind of talking more towards his chest and not not as like far <laughs> away from it as possible it's like they can't hear you on the ship that's why we have microphones <laughs> so sweet <laughs> how many times are we gonna go through this man <laughs> right like you're the commander you should know by now <laughs> He does do that. I don't think that ever goes away. I think that he always kind of, he just sort of motions that way toward the boom mic, I guess. I don't know. Right? Like kind of stares off into the distance and just kind of talks upward. Yeah. <laughs> Almost maybe like he's, he's concocting some sort of motivational speech. Well, maybe it's the fact that he he's slightly deaf in his right ear. So he turns his left ear to the comm badge. And that's why it looks like he's talking upward. It's actually just because he's trying to hear what they're saying better. Like it's a phone. Well, <laughs> well, I, I have to assume it is. I have to assume that the vo- the the sound is coming from the com badge, right? That's yeah, how it works. I don't know. I I mean, I I don't know. I mean, they touch it, but I I guess maybe that's the cell phone. They never go into that. 
Well, the one thing that's weird about the communicator is that there's a there's a inconsistency as to what when people know that it's actually malfunctioning because mm-hmm. there'll be times where they'll they'll touch it, it will make this the noise and then they'll mm-hmm. start talking and they'll be able to answer. It's like, right. "Oh, communications must be out." Or they touch it, it doesn't make a noise and that immediately indicates that there's something wrong. So, I they need to decide on one and stick to it because it's just confusing. Or do what the original series did, which was make it very clear because Kirk doesn't doesn't wait for a reply at all. <laughs> doesn't even know that his message was received. He yeah. just assumes well, it. What, or he – because the script said the communication is out, he knows the communication is out because he's Kirk and that's what the script said. So he'll be like, Kirk to Enterprise. Enterprise, come in. Do you hear me, Enterprise? They must be gone. I wonder if he does the thing where Enterprise hung up on him and so he just <laughs> pretends to keep talking, you know? I love you too. <laughs> Kirk out. Yeah. I don't know how we got into that. How do we get, oh, you're the lab. Oh, him talking into the distance. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're all caught up. <laughs> Everybody's right. caught up. There we go, listeners. All right. So, yeah. so anyway. So they brought Laura back to the ship and they were putting him together and they, you were saying. They have kind of a fun, I think it's kind of sort of a montage where they're trying to put him back together and they're like, oh, we don't know what to do. You know, we need to take mm-hmm. you apart and, you know, all that stuff. That was kind of well, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I did really like how much of, like, just data in general was explored in that way. You know, like, he he has an off switch that's never brought up again. But, like, you know, they were kind of tiptoeing around everything that they had to deal with, with data being a machine and lore being a machine. But they're considering data a part of, like, a part of the crew and an individual by himself. You know, like, when Data's talking with Picard and Picard keeps calling lore it... You know, and Data says, like, you you keep calling the other android it. And this is also another nice po- point. Like, Picard doesn't need it explained. You know, he's just like, point well taken. I apologize. Right. I meant no offense, you know. Right. Um, and also with the other guy, you know, he's like, uh, listen, if we have any problems putting him together. Uh, and Data's like, that's fine. You can take me apart. <laughs> ah, intuitive. See, sometimes he's intuitive. Sometimes he's not. In that moment, he was. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. He should have just been uh, waiting for him to finish. You haven't finished your sen- sentence, Doctor. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> no, I agree. Like, I think that they should have played it maybe a bit darker, exploring, like, why uh, Lore was disassembled. Because he was obviously assembled and then disassembled. And going into, like, maybe a little bit more evidence as to why they would do that. Because they kind of just jump into putting him together. Right. And... I don't know. It felt it just felt like they were trying to get to Lore being the bad guy. Absolutely. They were there, which I kind of appreciated that we didn't go back and forth. So okay, so, so to, to catch the audience up, so they turn Lore on. He ends up sort of being as as most TOS villains are. Again, continuing with this trend of he's the villain. He's super gregarious and shady at the same time. But I will say, in in him kind of being the. Uh, the innocent, overly eager to please, like at the very, very start, uh, they explained how they can give two marks and have it be on a three-dimensional plane. And it was, it was, you know, when they when they explained it, I I just recently learned it through a different conversation. Oh, so but, yeah, they're, so they're teaching. They're they they think that they're teaching data lore, or lore about how they navigate through the ship, as though he doesn't know already. That kind of right, thing. yeah, right. 
but yeah, like in the process, they they were explaining it to me, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, there it is. That's that's how they can give two points, and it's on a three dimensional plane. That's very cool. Which I didn't get. I didn't understand. Well, so it's still an X Y axis, but X is on a three hundred and sixty circle, as is Y. So the first number that they're giving is the X three sixty, where how like what direction it's going to be turned around, and then the other direction is which way on the vertical plane is it going to be up or down. But three hundred and sixty does not does not immediately imply three dimensions. It just it implies a demarcation of the, your position on a circle. So I don't understand. Well, right, but if you if you do an X and a Y, you're then given a sphere, which is a three dimensional circle. Uh, you're gonna have to draw this for me because I cannot I, ca- I cannot wrap my brain around this at all. Okay. So <laughs> this may I, or may not be in the episode. So. Well, yeah. So so just go. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, and then move on, and then I'll tell you later. <laughs> No, the whole discussion will be taken out. <laughs> <clears throat> so as as Laura is getting super shady, uh, and Yar is kind of saying like, you know, can oh data. Uh, there was a moment before where Picard was saying like, you know, data with your brother here. I'm just wondering, you know, where your loyalties lie. And data says, you know, my loyalties with Starfleet 100. Um, percent There's a part later where Tasha is coming up to, since I'm using first name, Jean-Luc, and he, (laughs) and, you know, she says, like, is this an okay thing to do? Uh, And he says, you know, yes, Data has, uh, you know, expressed his loyalty or whatever. Um, So I I have complete confidence that Data will stay true to the the crew. Um, And then he, like, immediately turns to the crew and he's like, that was an immediate, that was a perfectly valid question from the chief of security. Yeah, I, I, I actually liked that a lot. I felt yeah. like that was a – no one was betraying anybody. Nobody was showing any distrust. They were doing their job. I like right. that. Right. I thought that was a yeah. good – that was a good little – oh, so this is the improvement on TOS because I felt like this conversation would have never happened on TOS. Well, and I think also with TOS, it, they, they, they didn't start their mission, whereas on Next Generation, like this is literally six months or whatever into their first mission together. Right. So there was a little bit more of still trying to feel out the crew and and you know understand who's who's overstepping boundaries and what their loyal where where their boundaries are and all that. Yeah, kind of thing. everybody's still getting their sea legs as it were. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked it. And although so, space legs sounds much better, <laughs> space legs <laughs> on ABC. <laughs> I don't know what space legs. What would space legs? It's either a modeling show. And that's it. <laughs> I can't. Speak. What would Space Legs be about? Maybe it's a tech show. Getting your space legs with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, uh, or like a like a tech show. Like they have they're they're building sci-fi stuff. Yeah, by by. I was gonna say Randy Savage, not Randy Savage. <laughs> Adam Savage. <laughs> Snap into a space legs. Yeah, Adam Savage. <laughs> and I was actually when you said Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing Randy Johnson from American Idol. So is that his name or Randy Jackson? Randy Jackson. It's Randy Jackson. Um, and so, so and when you said Randy say, Jackson, I immediately thought the coach of the uh, L.A. Lakers, whose name is Phil Jackson. <laughs> well, and then when you said Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought I was talking about the character of the dad named Phil in modern family. And that's what we call full circle 
That's something you haven't heard before. Um, but no, so I was picturing Randy Jackson's over here to go snap into his face legs. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, that's a horrible impression of Randy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, so that's why Picard. <laughs> that's why 360s. That's how you can get two, you know, right. yeah. 3D. Yeah. Now you have to leave it in. Yes, now I have to leave it in. So the the whole lore thing got very uninteresting to me when he started impersonating Data. Because I do not like these types of plots where the audience knows there's some sort of subterfuge happening or something. Like this happens all the time, right, in in TV Mm -hmm. shows where Mm -hmm. we know but they don't know. We just have to go through them not knowing until somebody's like, hey, that's strange. Why do they do that? And then it's like like the whole thing we were explaining a saying. It's like – it seemed very out of character for all of them to be reprimanding Wesley when there is a person on the crew who looks exactly there's a sorry there's a, a a guest on the ship who looks exactly like one of the crew members and this person is saying like I don't trust this guy I think it's this other person and everybody's like what are you talking about of course it's not yeah shut up Wesley exactly right and I do By both feel the captain and his mother <laughs> I do feel though that. Wesley was not taking he was he was being outspoken which was the a good first step to bringing mm-hmm. a security risk to the captain but he wasn't explaining right. why he had right. so many opportunities to say why he's like he's not the same person and then he stopped right. there and he expected everyone to listen to him and I was thinking to myself yeah. you have a good reason to say the good reason otherwise right. they're just going to think you're being an a-hole but yeah. he didn't do that well and, and then to to skip ahead like at the end it's it's very sad that you know they they comment on it twice, and then when it's proved that he was right, there was no remorse or apology from Picard. No, we didn't have that scene. That we, yeah, we didn't have yeah. that scene where, like, you were right, Wesley. Thank you for being a good crew member. Yeah. You can drive the ship to the movies tonight <laughs> with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have it back by 11. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which again like ties it back to like it it feels very much like an original series episode because the the main plot was resolved and even then like the just the main conflict was resolved it, it it's not even that everything like all the loose ends were tied up it was the bad guy who was trying to take over the ship went away like Yeah, he just flies away with the it, yeah. it wasn't even it wasn't even a, a this might you know this is going to come back for sure we need to stay on our toes about this it was just it's just oh what happened i forgot okay right know, engage I, I, I we don't they never even acknowledge that maybe this is a bad thing that there's another data roaming around who has no ethics or morals you know who can right. do anything he wants we had more acknowledgement of the untied loose ends in conspiracy the episode that never comes back <laughs> what's conspiracy again it's the one where Starfleet was taken over by the insect people and it has that horrifying phaser scene at the end. And they talk about how like uh, when they killed the the hive queen, they, they found a subspace message and it was a beacon. You know, and they were like, yes, but a beacon to what? And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> see, that's interesting. I want right. to see I want to see it. Is that from original series or is that next no, it's gen? From next gen. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited that you don't remember. Like, I don't remember that at all. I'm, I, hopefully, we haven't watched episode. that yet. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't. Okay, good. There is a moment. So, it's going back to what you were saying about them explaining the Mark system and navigation, all that stuff. Jordy, yeah. I feel like betrays that a bit. There's a point where the crystalline entity is overtaking the Enterprise, and Jordy says something like, "It's coming in at is it like a five o'clock tangent?" And 
definitely not enough information to to whoever needs to hear that to make appropriate reaction. It's just that doesn't work. Yeah, right. Right. No. Yeah. It should have been at a three by five. <laughs> yeah, there should have been way more information. Uh, but again, they're still figuring that out. I mean, Jordy is still on the bridge. Right. He's not – I mean, I think there's still a – actually, that guy who was trying to put together data, he was the engineer, right? I think so, yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I just that just stuck out to me that they still are kind of working this stuff out. So I, again, this is one of those things that I could have gone back to check and I, I just didn't think to – I don't remember Lore having a tick before he took over Data's body. Did you see one? Did he have one? He had one. Yeah. Okay. It happened like maybe two or three times. Um, okay. But they didn't call super attention to it, and nobody acknowledged it. No one's like, "Oh, that's odd," you know? Right. Which, yeah, for for it being an important point in the second half, like it definitely should have been acknowledged. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind that they didn't acknowledge it. I, I felt like because they do a lot of sort of just laying it out for us in this show sometimes. So I think it was fine. I, I felt like how they dealt with it after Lore starts impersonating Data, it just seemed – so for example, Wesley comes in and Lore has a tick and Data Data ostensibly says, oh, I, I've copied his tick quite well, haven't I? I mean maybe this is why Wesley immediately thinks like this is not Data. But right. like he doesn't – he's like, oh, you have. You're right. Can, this is not strange at all. Continue with whatever you were doing <laughs> in the dark. So well, I, and, I, and then he numbs the tick. Like so why did Lore not worry about it earlier if it was something that he could just stop? Right. Exactly. Again, it could have been written in such a way where it was it was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like with the mm-hmm. contraction thing, they they immediately brought that to the forefront. That could have been what somebody recognized. I guess they did. Did they recognize it? I don't remember. What do you mean? Did they recognize it? Did somebody yeah. recognize? No, that's in a different. Sorry, that's in a different episode. That I was, yeah, that, yeah. When yeah, Riker where, recognized, Riker, yeah, yeah, but that's a totally super different. pissed. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't even try. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to that episode. It's so it's so great because he's so uh, indignant and defiant. Uh huh. He's so sexy. Yeah, but speaking to the contractions, I this is why I feel like this was originally you know like this is where Gene Roddenberry really wasn't too worried about continuity and um and it was very much an original series episode because I think that the whole point of him saying I'm fine and then having the tick afterward was to kind of give that like, oh, maybe they did send the wrong one out and this really is lore. And, you know, kind of that original series, like little denouement at the end where it ties back to the the problems that were happening before, you know, and they're like, oh, let's not think anything of it because we did solve the problem. Obviously they couldn't do that at this point, but mm-hmm. that's like a Voyager type of thing that they would never do. <laughs> right. But yeah, what's what's interesting about this episode is just like how much of data was insert introduced in this episode and the fact that lore was introduced and the crystalline entity and all that kind of thing. But overall, like when it was being filmed and well, when it was being written and kind of polished and all put together, nobody was really happy with the script. It was just kind of this bottle episode and there was just kind of, that was kind of going to be the end of it. Um, and so the director got it and you know, despite the fact that nobody was overly interested, like he he kind of took it upon himself to to really emphasize it and make it into the best episode that he could. And, you know, obviously it is what it is now where it introduced all those things. Um, 
but at the time, you know, he he was really fighting an uphill battle to to make it what it turned out to be. I can understand an impatience where you don't know the fate of your show. You have all of this this planning and work you've done on all these characters and you want to get it out as as quickly as possible because you're so excited about it and you're proud of it and you want people to see how dense of a world that you've created but you just can't do it that way you have to just let it play out and so i can understand him wanting to maybe give us more information than we need at that in that moment because Mm -hmm. he just couldn't help himself yeah i feel like there are a lot of episodes where we the story is rich enough that we want to expand it out into two episodes, uh, into two parters. But uh, obviously, they're already dealing with an hour's worth of material, and we're saying like we should make it two hours. So if you had to re revise this script to make it a single part episode, how would you break it down? What is our uh, suggestion on how to make this a better episode? Is that what you mean in one episode? Yeah, okay. yeah. Because you were saying like make it a two parter where this, this, and this, you know. But if we had to keep it to one episode, like if they, if we had the same time frame that they did you know and so we only had one hour to to do this episode how would how would you edit it to make it stronger so i would i would give us some sort of motivation and urgency of why they need to go back and find data's whatever his home planet and maybe or maybe not that comes into play with lore but lore gets Mm -hmm. turned on in the last five minutes of the show so you you have all of this sort of hemming and hawing about about the plot line that drove them to the planet. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Maybe it's something having to do with Nunyan Sung or they need a part or a mineral or something like that. That's driving them to this place. Like maybe there's some, something um, endemic to data's makeup. That's like that, that mineral we can only find in one place that's in your home planet. So we have to go back there or something like, cause we need to make it for our bomb or something like that. Something very right. federation, you know, bombs. <laughs> right. right. And, and so a lot of it is whatever that whatever is motivating the plot there is taking up the the front end of this episode and and data is trying to convince everybody we need to turn lore on this is my only brother like they then that's sort of where the morality is coming from is that why uh-huh. are you stopping me from like re- basically resuscitating my own brother um, right because he still can work I can make him work let me do that and then we t- the second we turn on lore is five minutes left in the episode and he's not this sort of uh, marvelous or fabulous villain that he plays him as he's more like data, maybe a bit darker where he's not as innocent feeling, but not overtly mm-hmm. not innocent. What would you call it? What's mm-hmm. the opposite of innocent corrupt? Yeah. That's like too far on this, on the scale. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like Malicious? he's yeah. Like data is innocent, right? He plays innocent, but have lore not be innocent, but not immediately threatening. So you have, but he, he kind of starts just shooting people the minute he wakes up. <laughs> Right. Not immediately, but like like the first 30 seconds, he's like, he has a mission. He has to go do something. And so you compress him getting to the entity to end within five minutes. So he immediately kind of starts taking over the ship and doing what he has to do without having these fabulous monologues with data about how we're going to take over the universe, you and me, brother. You know, that whole right. thing, which I was just uninterested in. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it added anything. Sure. So 
So have him be a little bit more utilitarian, more almost more robotic in his goals. And we don't know what his goals are, but he he wants to get off the ship. He doesn't want to commandeer the ship, but he wants to get off of it and meet up with this person. Maybe it's not the crystalline entity. That's a little TOS for me. I didn't like that it was like an entity. I liked that okay. maybe it was another race or something else that's like off in the distance that we, is obscured to us. We don't know what it is. And then you have... Uh, and he goes off and we're like, oh, God, and what I'm reminded of is is that episode where they're all kidnapped off the ship and it's sort of a horror type episode. And they're like, we don't know who they were, what they were doing, if they'll come back. But we know that they'll probably come back and we won't know when. And it's that's kind of like looming threat of lore. What was he doing? He took something. He took something. He took our whole database with him. You know, and we don't know what he's going to do. And I feel like that would have been more effective and a little bit more science fiction-y than what we got. You know, I mean, what we got was, I think, Brent Spiner flexing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, So despite being a a, not a two-parter, you still kind of wanted to end on a little bit of a cliffhanger because we don't know why he took those things and we they don't catch him before the end of the episode. Right. You know, it's just kind of – so – I mean, I guess with that being said, then what's the what's the conflict in your episode that would be resolved by the end of it? I guess whether or not Data has a brother and whether or okay. not, you know, that that kind of like the, I guess the, what is resolved is Data uh, finally knows what his brother is and who, who maybe maybe Lore gives him a little bit of a breadcrumb and where he comes from. And right. that's enough to satisfy us and Data that uh, that we can move on from the episode. And I mean, you know, this was kind of a cliffhanger too. Lore does come back. He does just Mm. sort of disappear with no um, resolution. Resolution. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. But yeah, that's that. I don't know. I just I was missing a lot of the science. I mean, there was it was there. It just right. They didn't. It wasn't the focus. I felt like they were focusing on Lore himself. Mm -hmm. Am I alone in that? I mean, I don't know. Did you were you were you satisfied with this episode? I mean, yes, I was I, – so I was satisfied in, with this episode in the same way I'm satisfied with the TOS episodes. Like there were a lot of things that were brought up that weren't addressed by the end of it, and there were a lot of things, you know, like I said, the I'm fine part where I believe that that was intentional from the script and from Brent Spiner to, and from Gene Roddenberry to kind of be like, you know, oh, so maybe Data did pick up on these lore haptics or – um you know, whatever, like it was supposed to kind of be one of those TOS things. But as a TNG episode, I I just feel like it was it was weak um, as as the episode in and of itself. Data's curiosity about wanting to find out what what lore is about and Picard's wanting to make sh- like make sure that he wasn't turned off for a reason, you know, kind of like what you were saying, like, you know, he wants to de-euthanize his brother and Picard is saying, like, I completely sympathize and I understand, but we need to find out, you know, why you were left in, intact and he wasn't. You know, Plus, kind of, Data, there was a sticky on his forehead saying, do not turn on. <laughs> right. we, I feel like we should Evil. honor that. We should, yes. we should honor that at least for a moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to kind of go into, into my revision, um, like, I feel like that would be the first half of the episode. And Data – and then – in the second half of the episode, um, we still only see data, you know, people ask him like, Hey, what's going on with your brother? And he says, you know, Oh, like through all my efforts, I, I couldn't turn him on. 
um, you know, or something like that. And uh, as as the the second half of the episode plays out, like you see data, you know, like people, he, he just seems kind of happier than usual. And he uses a couple contractions, you know, or something. And somebody says something and he's like, oh, that's funny, you know, and kind of dropping clues that it's not data. And then they discover that, you know, when Lord was reactivated, he deactivated data. And then we kind of like get the, the end scene again. But, um, but we are not privy to all of this until the very end. So when does Lore get turned on? Uh, like halfway through the episode. Would you have him be the same as characterized in the same way uh, in this episode as he is in this episode? Like, would he be sort of fabulous villain type of thing? Kind of, but you know, he would, he would still be, he would be playing data. He would just be showing more emotion and, you know, using a few more contractions. And I think that Wesley should still figure it out. Um, or yeah. Cause I mean, at this point, Wesley and data were hanging out more than LaForge and data. So, so yeah, I feel, I feel like maybe Wesley brings LaForge in on it. Yeah. And I actually don't know when Laura comes back. Um, in this, right. in, like, does he even come back this season? Probably not. I guess I don't think so. Yeah, they clearly wanted some sort of on ongoing villain that they just didn't quite pull off, to my memory. It just didn't quite land. That they were they were never actively chasing this crystalline entity, and right. it just didn't seem to really bother anybody unless the episode was specifically about the crystalline entity entity. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, even the like the final confrontation between Data and Lore where it just seems so just, I don't know, just lackluster. Did you, <laughs> I slowed it down to half speed to make sure that I saw it right. Did you see the, um, the stunt double of data? No. Well, like what <laughs> in, in the battle, like there's one shot where like the camera is right on him and it's like not even a full second, but with the HD, like there was, you know, there's enough detail that when he stood up, I was like, that's not data. And so I, I scrolled it back and, <laughs> Sure enough, it was the stunt double. <laughs> yeah. It just it was a weird scene. They could have done this in a much better way than just having it be a, a just straight-on action scene. Cause, right. So it, it starts out where Data comes in, and he says, you know how to stop, Laura. You got to stop doing this. And Crusher is hiding. And then yeah. and then she's like, not so fast, Laura. And she comes out, and she has – it's like, well, why were you hiding? Why, like, why did, why did you wait five seconds and then reveal yourself? I thought her hiding was good. They had a plan of some kind <laughs> and it just, nope, no plan. I'm just going to hide for five seconds and then I'll come out. And then that'll be the end of that. Mm -hmm. And, and Laura misses her. Like he, when he's shooting at her, he misses. I, right. Well, yeah. Cause it was moving slow enough that she was able to move out of the way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They do move it. Light moves very slowly. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, when it's weighted down by a phaser blast, <laughs> wasn't well, a phaser is a laser gun. Is it the laser? Yeah. Oh, okay. But isn't it like a photonic laser or no something? Idea. That's why it's know. a phaser. Now we're getting there's, into There's something. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Now Nerds. we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. just stick with our Star Wars pod. Or, oh. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> well, and we've been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't think this was a proper Star Trek episode. I also don't, didn't really like this episode. I felt like it's fun to see Brent Spiner do his thing, but mm -hmm. it just was kind of nothing. It, it wasn't much of a plot line to really grab, sink your teeth into. Um, right. Tasha isn't dead yet. So, you know. <laughs> 
Well, and I mean, she barely does anything in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is. So, so sorry. Uh, speaking of that, Worf comes down to the planet with them at the very beginning of the episode, and he says nothing the whole time they're at the they're on the planet the whole time, like, and then he beams up, and he doesn't see yes sir, he doesn't even say that. Like he's just an extra while they're down on the planet. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he it's it's so sad that like he never did anything to show how tough he was. Um, I think the only reason – I mean everybody says this about Worf is that he is meant to be – he's meant to show how strong the villains are because they always best him. Like he's right, there. but they always best him. Yeah, that's to show you how much better all the villains are and that he but can't just be taken down how, with physical strength. Right, but we've never seen how tough Worf is because he's always losing. Yeah, he to be like, look, I think he, he gets beat every single time. Maybe it's time <laughs> we got somebody different. What's Wesley doing? Right? Yeah, you know, at least then they might might stand a chance. Um. <laughs> and then it ends in the worst uh, ending of an episode in the history of television. But yeah, not. I so, mean, that's a no, 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 no for me. No, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no juice. No, no. no. Um, I I did like it, and I I do appreciate it for all the things that it does introduce into um, the next generation lore, uh-huh. <laughs> including that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think just looking at it by itself, nah, I still enjoyed it. I'd still say yes. Oh, um, I think, okay. yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a good Star Trek episode, but it's good TV. Okay. All right. So it's a no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Everybody got that? <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what we're watching next then. All right. Paul. Yes? No, that's the name of the episode. Oh. <laughs> no, it's Paul. <laughs> Let that be your last battlefield. It's episode 15 of season three of the original series. Oh, and the blurb states, the Enterprise encounters two... Oh, I've never seen this episode. The Enterprise encounters two duochromatic and mutually belligerent aliens who put the ship in the middle of their old conflict. That's kind of confusing for me. So, I mean, but the duochromatic should tell you which episode this is. That it's in black and white? (laughs) Yup. For some reason in the last season, they decided to go full on black and white. (laughs) To save on costs. (laughs) That didn't even help. So... Okay, well, I I do not know what that means, uh, but I'm curious to find out, you know. Yeah, okay, well, let's go watch it. Okay. 